I want to update you on an amazing, amazing development that is a reaction to something sad and extremely disappointing that recently happened in Tel Aviv on Yom Kippur. I'm about to break down for you the reality of what is going on in Israel in a way that nobody has explained to us until this point, really. And ultimately, it is good, really good. So please stick with me, and this is going to take a while, so stay until the end. And again, let me start by saying this. Great things are happening in Israel on so many levels, so never let the headlines get you depressed. Please, I beg of you, it is not worth it. Truly, we are a miraculous country that could be wiped off the map by our enemies at any given moment because our enemies outnumber us and because they overpower us in the international community. Despite that, we are still here to live each and every day, realizing the dream of the Jewish people for thousands of years to once again be sovereign in our ancestral homeland and allowing us to do amazing things for all of humanity by being here as the Jewish sovereign in our ancestral homeland. So you can basically say that God's words in the Bible about the Jewish people returning to our homeland and him protecting us are totally true. Yes, we need a strong IDF to protect ourselves as well, but we can never allow ourselves to think that we survive just because we have a strong IDF alone. No, it is God above our partner who is truly looking after us. Now, I want to share with you the amazing development. I will share with you a selection of recent social media posts by non-religious Israelis, okay? This is post number one. I'm translating it into English. It's amazing what one Yom Kippur can do to a secular kibbutznik. From today on, I will be wearing the traditional Jewish head covering, a kippah, like this one on my head, right? And he then continues, Antiochus failed to destroy us, right? He was one of the kings that failed to destroy us. The Romans failed to destroy us. The Muslims failed to destroy us. And you too will fail to destroy us. Don't touch my Judaism. You have crossed a line. Who is he talking about? I will get to that part soon. But here is another social media post for you to understand that this person is not alone. Not at all. Here it goes. Again, translated into English. I'm a non-religious Israeli Jew who lives in the city of Givatayim. That's in the area of Tel Aviv. Thanks to the religious Jews being expelled from Dizengoff Square in Tel Aviv on Yom Kippur, I have decided to purchase tefillin and to put them on. Because of the horrific event at Dizengoff Square, it is important to me that my children, who live in a non-religious city, see their father putting on a talit and tefillin every morning. Like this. In order that they learn what Judaism is. And here is one more sample social media post. And these are just three out of so many. Here it goes. I live in Tel Aviv. I stopped wearing a kippah 12 years ago. Meaning, this man grew up as a religious Jew, but decided to stop living a religious lifestyle, so he took his kippah off. And he continues. After seeing the horrific events that took place in Dizengoff Square in Tel Aviv, I'm seriously thinking about wearing my kippah again in order to associate with the religious community I came from instead of associating with the community that attacks them. Those are the ends of their three sample posts. Wow. 
we are seeing a wave of this sentiment in Israel today showing how the vast majority of the Jewish people in Israel want to feel Jewish and have a connection with their ancestral Jewish national identity, regardless of how religious or non-religious they are in their daily lives. And this is the beauty of the Jewish people living in the land of Israel. So what happened on Yom Kippur in Tel Aviv at Dizengoff Square? There is so much to say, but before I do, I first want to say thank you for joining me, Avi Abelow, for another episode of The Pulse of Israel, where I provide you with the inspiring, politically incorrect truth about Israel, the Jewish people, and the freedom-loving world. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Pulse of Israel videos or podcast, just visit pulseofisrael.com and click to subscribe. And if you like this video and you want to help us get it seen by more people, just click on the donate button so we can promote it to be seen by many more people. So, instead of telling you what happened, I will share with you some eyewitness accounts of Israelis who were present at what happened and documented it. The following eyewitness account was shared publicly, yet anonymously. And I'm quoting. I was there Sunday evening. Hundreds of us came to attend a beautiful outdoor service for Yom Kippur, a service that has been put on in public for years. First off, neither myself or any of the seven people I showed up with and likely majority of the people in attendance for that Yom Kippur service are religious or observant. We are your typical left-leaning Tel Avivians who spend our weeks working our Thursday nights at bars or clubs and Saturdays at the beach. Yet we want to experience the energy of Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year here in Israel. When we showed up, we were floored. The rabbi and a few others were on the stage which had Jewish flags all surrounding it. This was the solution to not having a real separation between the genders, as traditional Judaism delegates, and not to violate the law, because the court said that it was forbidden for public players to have that separation. They were there trying to begin the services. Protesters approached and surrounded the stage, screaming and yelling in the faces of anyone who was there to pray. They were chanting, Bouchah! Disgrace, disgrace, a typical chant that is said at the anti-judicial reform protests to all of us. Our side was staying calm, but trying to talk back. But the protesters were unhinged. There was not even room for debate. They began aggressively picking up every seat that was set up for those to pray. I'm pretty sure some of them had speakers as well to intensify their chanting. They were recording on their phones. You could tell they wanted a reaction so they could gather it on video and frame it in a certain way. Finally, the rabbi and others came off the stage and, they st and the protesters started getting on the stage, raising LGBT flags and cheering. It was really a disgrace. Everyone was so sad. They said things to people that no Jew should ever say to another Jew, nor to anyone of any religion, period. It was really one of the saddest experiences in my life as a Jew. Every single one of us was in shock and many people were near or in tears. People of all religious backgrounds who came to experience the service, some wearing everything from short shorts and tank tops to long sleeves and head wraps, were all standing there, mouths wide open in disbelief of what was going on. The arguments that people tried to defend these protesters with is absurd. It was so clear that none of these protesters actually cared about a divider between the genders for, for traditional Jewish prayer. They just don't want anything remotely religious happening 
in public. Their true problem was any observance of Judaism, the holiday, or prayer in a public, popular place, and their way of showing it was not by peacefully protesting and having conversation and dialogue. It was disgusting, pathetic, and quite frankly, childish. In fact, one woman was pulling on a man's tzitzit, right? These are tzitzit, on his talit, and mimicking him. And for the record, if anyone actually thinks that any of these outdoor Tel Aviv prayer services force gender segregation, they have clearly never been to one of them. A friend of mine went back the next day, and after trying to talk to some of those protesters and unite them by singing Am Yisrael Chai together, he came back saying, quote, many of them told me that we are not brothers. And one person even called me an anti-Semite and Satan. In all my life, I've never seen hatred in people's eyes like I did then, unquote from her friend. Now, here is another eyewitness account, and this one published on an online publication. Title for this article is Dizengoff Square on Yom Kippur Eve, a stain on Tel Aviv. And the byline is, they screamed at my pregnant wife and pushed me as I held my toddler. It had nothing to do with gender separation. This is the story of what I experienced, this is the author of this, this eyewitness account, Sunday night, Yom Kippur Eve at Dizengoff Square in Tel Aviv. I know everything now is seen as political in one way or another, but this was not written to be political. It's simply the story of what happened to me, what I saw with my own eyes. On Sunday night, they chased me away, they f the protesters. They physically and repeatedly shoved my wife. They threatened to punch me in the face as I held my 18-month-old daughter in my arms. They said to my wife, your unborn fetus will be ashamed to be born to a mother like you. And they proceeded to harass and menace her following her for over 300 feet with a cell phone shoved in her face, screaming, you're being recorded, you're being recorded, you're being recorded. Arson, we walked around the corner from our home to pray. When we arrived at Dizengoff Square on Sunday night, I was in shock. Dozens of people with eyes seething with hate, screaming with, with spit flying out of their mouths at 150 human beings who just came to pray to pray in their own neighborhood, a short walk from where they live, like me, on the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. Shame, 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 they screamed at the crowd assembled to pray. They weren't shouting at the Rosh Yehudi organization that organized the public prayer and got the municipal permits for the prayer service, and not once did they yell at us about the dividers between men and women. They spouted hate at regular people, at fathers, at mothers, at children, yes, at grandparents, at secular people who decided they wanted a Yom Kippur prayer experience, whatever meaning that holds for them, at traditional Jews who may not keep Shabbat, but for whom Yom Kippur is incredibly special. The hate being spewed by these zealots had no connection whatsoever to the issue of gender segregation, as it was being told in the, in the media. They were there because of their hate of others, not because they opposed a contentious policy. They were there really for one reason, to tell us that we don't belong. We, the people who wear kipot, the people who pray, don't belong in their neighborhood, in their city, Tel Aviv, because this is a secular city, right? That is that eyewitness. Now I want to show you one of the videos of what they experienced at Dizengoff Square. Let's <laughs> go.
was horrible, and only a tiny bit of it, and only one of the places, because it happened in others. But understand, this was done by a tiny number of Israeli Jews. They harassed and stopped fellow Jews from enjoying Yom Kippur prayers and celebrations at various locations in the streets of Tel Aviv and some other cities where public prayer services have been held for years. Now I want to show you a second video from Ramat Aviv, which is North Tel Aviv, where local residents just harassed Jews singing and dancing outside. It wasn't even a public prayer or a, no, no dividers. Anywhere else in the world, all of this would have been called out as anti-Semitic by wall-to-wall Jewish organizations. Unfortunately, that did not happen with what happened in Tel Aviv and Yom Kippur. Too many Israeli politicians and activists on the political left celebrated the harassment of the Jews who were just celebrating Yom Kippur with prayer. Now stick with me, because even though this looks very sad and very bad, it actually highlights a reality and a critical, critical process that is hardly ever talked about. And overall, it is a good process, as I started this post with. Even more importantly, I want all Jews all over the world to internalize that if you are not yet living in Israel, what I'm speaking about today highlights the key reason of why you should be coming home to live in Israel as soon as you can, not thinking the opposite, that because of this, you shouldn't come home to Israel. Not at all. Come move to live in Israel, home, as soon as you can. What happened in Tel Aviv on Yom Kippur does not reflect the modern Jewish state of Israel. The harassment was done by a tiny minority of anti-Semitic, yes, anti-Jewish Israeli Jews. But they are a tiny, tiny minority with lots of power. The reaction of those posts that I posted at the beginning of this video about non-religious Israelis today putting on a kippah, talit, and tefillin, that is the true sentiment of the majority of the Jewish people in Israel today. Here is another Facebook post by a non-religious Tel Avivian who attended a different public prayer service on one of the beaches of Tel Aviv. He says that over 3,000 people attended, and it, it did actually have some divider, even though there, there were some people standing or sitting together, and they were not harassed by any protesters. Their prayer service went peacefully throughout Yom Kippur. Do you also know that of the over 100 plus secular kibbutzim across Israel from north to south, most of them have prayer services on Yom Kippur with religious people from outside the kibbutz that they invite to come help them with their holiday prayers. That reflects the real Israel. A majority of Jews in Israel today, of all religious and secular levels, they want to be unified and they want to have a connection to their ancestral national Jewish identity and cultural traditions. So let's go back and understand what is really going on with the protest movement that disrupted some of the prayers in Tel Aviv. So allow me to give a totally different take than all of the other opinions that are out there in the media or social media. First of all, everyone must understand the following basic underlying fact, and it is a fact. These anti-Jewish, very much anti-Semitic acts of harassment were inevitable, totally unavoidable, right? It doesn't make a difference. They were not stoppable. Some people are blaming the Yom Kippur prayer protests on the Rosh Yehudi religious organization in Tel Aviv that organized the Dizengoff public prayer service and which is active in Tel Aviv in bringing religious and secular closer together. One of the people running for mayor of Tel Aviv today, 
is even threatening to end the presence of that Rosh Yehudi organization in Tel Aviv and end the presence of all religious people in Tel Aviv who don't hold up to her standards. Doesn't sound so very liberal of a politician that supposedly stands up for the liberal values of Tel Aviv. But that's the reality. That's how some of these liberal people and leaders think. You're only allowed to have a voice. You're only allowed to live your life if you follow their liberal ideology, which is not even liberal, totally anti-liberal. Other people are blaming the placing of the divider during the prayer, the traditional divider in Jewish prayer, even though the police have officially said that no divider was placed at that Dizengoff Rosh Yehudi prayer service, which had all the proper municipal permits. These protests also had nothing to do with protesting the government or anything to do with protesting the judicial reform, the other reasons the political left have been protesting the past half a year plus. No, none of those things. Believe it or not, as the eyewitnesses said explicitly, this was an anti-Jewish backlash, and it has been waiting to happen for years in the Israeli public. There has always been an anti-Jewish entity within the Jewish people forever, and in Israel from even before the State of Israel was established. Without getting into the theology of it, this entity is called the Erev Rav, okay? The only reason this anti-Jewish sentiment was never unleashed in Israel like it happened today is because we always had an enemy, the Arabs, that unified us. So as long as we were unified in understanding that we had to be unified to defend ourselves against an enemy that wanted to destroy all of us, the anti-Jewish agenda kept its head low. We were all unified in standing strong against our enemies so that we could survive as a country. The judicial reform protest movement today has changed all of that with the IDF reserve soldiers and the brothers in arms representatives explicitly saying clearly that this government is more dangerous than our enemies. Hence, they have refused to serve, to defend ourselves from our real enemies. No longer is our real enemy a good enough reason to remain unified. Hence, we are seeing the undercurrent of anti-Jewish agenda finally being unleashed by a small minority of the population. But it doesn't make a difference. It is a minority with support in the media, with politicians, in academia, and the justice system. How do we know this anti-Jewish agenda was always in the background just waiting to be unleashed? And how in the world can I stand here and tell you that all this is good, part of a necessary process? Well, first of all, I want to introduce you to a man named Ron Pundak, who was one of the architects of the disastrous Oslo Peace Process Accords. And he himself admitted straight out at a presentation a number of years ago that the Oslo Peace Process actually wasn't about peace. It was about Israelizing Israel and ending Israel being a Jewish state. The exact quote is documented in this article in Hebrew. I really want to make sure you understand what Run Pundak said. The Oslo Peace Process which whitewashed Yasser Arafat, the arch-terrorist, and his gang of PLO terrorists, with Israel giving them guns and giving them our land in Judea and Samaria and Gaza, was actually never about making peace, but about trying to normalize Israel by whitewashing a real enemy and turning it into a peace partner to then de-Judaize the state of Israel. But that's not all. Shimon Peres, the chief architect of the disastrous Oslo peace process, Ron Pundak's boss, and the visionary of a new Middle East, said basically the same thing when he lost the elections to Bibi Netanyahu in the year 1996. Peres was asked about the election loss, and his answer? The Israelis lost and the Jews won. 
His quote is documented in this article. Then we have former Prime Minister Yair Lapid writing an op-ed in the year 2005 saying that the Gaza disengagement was about placing the national religious public back in its place, end quote. As I said, it's clear this anti-Jewish agenda to erase the Jewish character of the Jewish state has been waiting to burst for years. That's 30 years ago. But again, please understand, this is all good. All these years, too many of us have ignored the existence of this anti-Jewish attitude that exists in the political system, the justice system, academia, and the media. The despicable anti-Semitic protests at the Jewish prayers on Yom Kippur have now exposed this reality for more people to wake up and recognize it. So now we can deal with it properly. Yes, it looks bad, very bad, and very depressing, but it will be good. Only by it being exposed and allowing people to truly understand the reality of our situation can we now fix it. Until now, we have all deluded ourselves. Now the delusional period is over and for many. As I have said from the beginning of the judicial reform protest movement, we will overcome the division that it created. We will come out of this stronger and more united than before because most of the Jewish people in Israel, even with our vast and passionate differences, we want to be a united, strong, proud Jewish state of Israel. With the pain of seeing what's transpiring, and I'm, and I'm telling you it will get worse, I'm holding on to the optimism that this is actually the catalyst for positive change. It will be a slow process. And some people will now try to hide their anti-Jewish agenda because they're scared that it got out, but it will happen. The tiny minority of Jew haters in our midst think that they are winning. And in truth, they are winning the battle today. Well, judicial reform has basically been killed, but they will ultimately lose the war because it must be understood that an agenda exists by a tiny yet powerful minority to neuter Israel of its Jewish character. And they won't be satiated with cosmetic changes, so no compromises with them will end their protest. They're some of the leaders of the protest movement. Even if all ultra-Orthodox Jews would draft to the army tomorrow, or all religious Jews would leave Tel Aviv, their anti-Jewish protest would still not stop. Ultimately, this tiny minority wants to use the justice system and the value of equality to erase the Jewish right to return law, which allows Jews under certain conditions to automatically become Israeli citizens because this is the Jewish state of Israel. And they also want to change Israel's national anthem to erase all references to Israel being a Jewish state. And they want to change other rules that allow certain things that are special because this is the Jewish state. That is the end goal. What will ultimately end their insanity today is more and more people waking up and realizing that these anti-Jewish protesters don't actually care about democracy or judicial reform, which causes them to lose the public support for their protests. Most Israeli Jews are now seeing this true anti-Jewish face of many of the leaders of the democracy protest movement, and they don't like it at all. The process of them losing the public's support has begun. So what's the continuation of this good news? As I have mentioned before, Rav Cook clearly wrote around 100 years ago that the day will come when some secular Jews will become so distanced from the Torah that they will hate the Torah and their Judaism. And he clearly said that this is part of the Geula redemption process. Rav Cook said this around 100 years ago. And for those who are not familiar with Rav Cook, he was not one who wanted division. He worked tirelessly day and night to create unity between all the different groups of Jews during his lifetime. So these anti-Semitic Jews in Israel today are a tiny minority. 
But again, they have the support of the justice system, academia and the media and some politicians on the left. So they are perceived to be a larger group than they actually are. But overall, everyone, don't be discouraged. This is all a sign that we are in the right direction. The Geula redemption wake up process is happening. Keep on celebrating the wonderful values of the Torah. Keep on showing love to every Jew and to every creation of God, no matter how brainwashed they are with the lies around us. And if you are a Jew not living in Israel yet, then please start making your plans to come home and live in Israel. We are not supposed to live here in Israel because Israel is perfect. Not at all. God wants us to live here in Israel in order to make our ancestral homeland be a light into the nations. And we need all good, committed, proud Jews to live here with us to take an active part in bringing the Geula redemption. It happens by living here. So please do not be discouraged by, do not be discouraged by the news. Internalize the greater wake-up process we are experiencing and come home to Israel if you are not here yet. Good things are happening and amazing things are coming, even though we still have many bumps and ups and downs along the road. These are Geula times, baby. And if you want to make sure you get this overall per and deeper perspective, sign up for Pulse of Israel videos or podcasts. And as news on a daily basis, sign up to our IsraelOnWire.com news. I'm Israel Chai. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.